0: What a joy to come and think about in this season. That's what we're doing this month is thinking about the coming of Christ. And wow, Advent, Noel, the birth of Jesus. A, a lot of times for us, it can appear sometimes like the Christmas season kind of just comes upon us or, oh, you know what? He wasn't born in Christmas, December 25th anyway. But no, the most amazing event of all time is jesus christ entering history becoming a human being god become man and we started thinking about that last week with hope the wondrous amazing hope outside of ourselves that christ is i worry sometimes me as a pastor i worry and especially if you've been here a while i am an egghead i'm sorry I am. I love theology. I love to talk about like the ins and outs of the text. I love to like really dive into the Bible. And sometimes when I do that, sometimes we start to get like, yeah, I get this with my head. But maybe not experiencing the amazing wonder of what it is. Why we come and worship today. Why we come and take communion. Why we're doing this life together. What is it? And, and I, I, I so long for you, to experience, I, I know, I know, I'm, I think there's objective truth and we got to hold on to it. Objective truth is really important. But you know, there's subjective experience too. I want that for you. Especially as we start thinking about Jesus Christ coming to earth and what it means for us, how we can experience. One of the most important things to experience is peace. Peace. Not, not, not with our heads. I can get you there argumentatively or, or, or walking through. But, but what, what is that? I, I know that Jesus brings us peace. He is the Prince of Peace. I, I, I get it. He saved me from sin. I mean, that's. I'm a Christian. I made a confession that I, I believe this. But to experience peace. I mean, what, what does peace actually even mean? You know, there's wars going on all over the world right now. Some people say more than any other time, conflicts going on. You life, life is a battlefield in some senses. I'm constantly having to kind of like prepare my mind to go out and and do battle in this world. So I'm not. I'm not. Sometimes am I really experiencing this peace idea when I have all these worries, right, anxieties? I have internal conflict. Or, or, you know, even... even okay, get, can I get scientific for a second? I mean, the second law of thermodynamics. Somebody nodded. <laughs> Everyone else has fallen asleep. Says it's entropy, right? Everything's entropy. We're in a long fight against chaos. What we do is, is ourselves, our life itself is a battle to keep order uh, there, to build order so that you keep off chaos. Eventually you lose, and you lose the war and you die. I mean, everything can be framed as a battle. So let's just talk about peace. Let's talk about experiencing peace. When, I, I you know, I, we need some help. There's a gift today. What, what I'm hoping to do is give a gift to you today. What, what Charles Spurgeon called the jewel of peace that affects us. It's not for your head today. It's for your heart Why it's such a wonderful, amazing gift in the coming of Jesus Christ to earth. Because this is ground zero. You, me, having real peace. So we're going to dive in. Peace is a gift from God, abiding, experienced, even. What does that mean? How does it look? Let's try and get there. So first, we're talking about peace desired. I want this. I hope you want this. I think we all want it. We desire to live in a peacetime environment. I mean, who wants to be at war? That's fine. But, but the real translation of peace in the Bible, the word that's used over and over, is a word that, that you probably even know, shalom. It means relational peace. It means things are settled and well with you. It means harmony, well-being, even health. It's, it's this idea, you know, can you get a flavor? The effect of righteousness will be peace, Isaiah writes, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation and secure dwellings and quiet resting place. There's almost like, like the lights go down a little and, and, and you just take a breath and there's nothing weighing on you. There's, there's this settled harmony that we sometimes taste, you know. So while Jesus is our warrior king and he defeats the enemy and peace does include stopping war, the real antonym to peace that we're talking about today is turmoil. Unsettledness. It includes conflict relationally, right? Internal worry and anxiety. It's all the same stuff. Those are things that are the opposite of peace. So, so is it okay? We, I can say, we all desire peace. <laughs> I, I do. I want harmony in all of my relationships, I, especially my relationship with God. Like when Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. He says that in Philippians, right? He's thinking about how we have peace already with God. Don't be anxious. You, you've got this. <laughs> I want that. But, I'm anxious a lot. I've got worries. I and mean, we have glimpses of this in our lives, right? We, there's, there's, where there's agreement or, or kindness between a parent and a child. When I'm warm and full and content after a meal. <laughs> no responsibilities on me. I just have a breath. And I look out over the beauty of Whatcom County. And I go, oh, yes. Praise God. I go to pet my dog and, and she puts her head down on my lap and I'm like, ah, thanks, Lord. What a cool. I guess I do like dogs. When I have enough, when pressures to make sure I have enough or, or I am enough, when they don't press on me, but I've been provided for, I start to see it. Peace. When I don't have to worry about the car breaking down or my heart giving out or my, what, my kid's going to be okay at school. I, peace. Settled certainty that God's for me. Every moment, everything I do, that's peace. Resting in his arms for me, even in the midst of storms. Something like this, you keep him in perfect peace. Isaiah 26, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Oh, I want that. Perfect harmony, everything being okay, peace. For the moment, you know, when uncertainty isn't raising its head, when injustice isn't felt keenly, my own fallenness or my unmet desires aren't nagging at me, I get the sense of peace. Everybody I know loves these moments. The peace we want isn't just stopping war. It isn't a ceasefire. It is harmony. It is well-being relationally. It's in my own heart and with other people. And my difficulty is that I don't seem to stay there. I want it, but it doesn't last. I experience conflict and worry and anxiety. Don't you? I experience conflict in myself as I want things that aren't given to me. I I, I experience conflict with other people, they don't treat me rightly, in my book. I experience anxiety and worry because my life's not going as well as I hope for, as I wish for, as I long for, as I desire. I want peace, but it's elusive. Peace is elusive. For for us, experientially, it is. I don't know too many people who are always at peace. Why? Well, before we jump into a couple more scriptures, uh, here, here's a couple reasons why. I mean, I'm just looking at it together with you. We're thinking about this concept, and then we'll pull it to Jesus. But but the concept, right? Why don't we experience peace? Here's one thing. Uncertainty. I mean, really, take a step back and think about your life. I have unmet needs, desires, wants. I'm uncertain of how to get them. Or or if I will, God hasn't prevented me from wanting certain things. I, I'm not talking about having a million dollars. That's silly in some senses. How about a good relationship with difficult people? How about your own family getting along? I'm uncertain how to get there. You will ever experience this relational harmony that I I really sometimes don't feel that I have. And And if I don't, what kind of life is that? I don't have the life I want. I want a different one. So the uncertainty about whether this life is really what God has for me, you know what starts slipping in there? This is the uncertainty piece, is have I made the right choices? Have I done the right things? You know, if I would have done something different, I would have had more success. I would have had a different experience and and that would have been less conflict. Maybe, maybe I would like it better. So, you know, the... Not so good choices that I make have consequences, and and the consequences prevent me from being who I, man, I could be, and that causes me anxiety and stress, and I lose my peace. If I could only train myself to have the right desires and to make good choices, I could get peace. I mean, even the verses I just gave you from Isaiah, even the ones we just look at, right? I mean... The effect of righteousness is peace. Oh, well, okay then. If you would just be more righteous Dax, maybe you could experience less anxiety. God keeps you in perfect peace, it says, if you keep trusting Him. Well, there's a verse that's sure to mean that the problem with my lack of peace is that I'm not trusting God. So what I think, maybe you're like this too. Is that peace is elusive because the problem is me. Peace is something to get to, and I often don't. And the Bible, the Bible affirms, at least a part of this, that's this. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. Man, if you just wouldn't be wicked. You pair that up with Jeremiah 17, it says the heart is desperately sick, it's evil. God looks at your heart. You pair this up with Romans 3.10, you know Romans 3.10, we've looked at it before. It says, hey, you know you realize that every single person, there's not a single one who's righteous. What's the opposite of righteous? Wicked. So there's no peace for you. We don't deserve peace. (laughs) We're wicked. That, that can be brought into all of us collectively. Injustice, right, <coughs> is a huge reason why I'm not at peace. Those wicked people are doing stuff to me. They don't treat me well, objectively or subjectively. And all these fall into this big picture. There's no peace because nobody's doing what they should do. So God isn't giving peace to people because they're wicked. Bible says no peace for the wicked. So like a lot of life, there's like this perverse cycle that goes on with this. Say like a lot of life, because you can find it in a lot of places. You can find it in your own life or in the people that you know. It's this kind of cycle. Here's one example of it. Anxieties are self-reinforcing, right? Because the Bible says you shouldn't have anxiety. Because that's a consequence of you not trusting. Follow me. I'm not condemning you if you have anxiety. I've got anxiety too. But it says, you know what, you really shouldn't. So the fact that you have it means you're not trusting. And that puts you on a cycle to say, oh, then I better try and trust, but then I have anxiety, so it's evidence that I do trust. And so there you are with anxiety over the anxiety. It brings you to anxiety because of the anxiety of the anxiety, and you're down in a pit, and you can't get out of it. Because the only way out of it would not to be to have anxiety, which would be evidence that you were trusting. But you do worry. Do, do, do you see what happens? You can't banish that, then God's judging you and there's no peace for the wicked. God judges the heart and he sees how terrible you are and, and and you're not rightly you are you're rightly afflicted with anxiety and worry. You shouldn't have it. And the way to get out of this elusive cycle well you should pray more. Try harder. You know, if you're uncertain, uncertainty means you're not trusting very well. So believe better. God's going to give you what you want. If you're making bad choices, start making good ones. There's an example. You ever see the guy with the? It's it's real famous. A guy sits down and person. She's a counselor, and the person comes in and sits down and says, "I need counsel." He says, "Well, it's five bucks." Okay, she gets out five bucks and gives to him. Stop doing that. That's the counsel. Well, can you tell me more? Sure. Are you ready? Write this down. Take out your pen. Stop doing that. I think actually what said stop it, but, you know, even shorter. That, that's essentially the counsel we seem to get from people. That's essentially the people stand up here and say, you know what, you guys, you're, you're, you're doing poorly. So let's do better. Communicate better about the injustices you face, and reasonable people will help you o- o- overcome them. If there's injustice, fight it so, so that you're just. If there's there's anxiety, pray that God will, will help you not have anxiety. It, it, that's all these things, right? All these things you can do, and you know what, at the end of the day? All of them. And I've been a pastor now for, for going on 20 years. It's wearisome. It doesn't work. I know it experientially. I've tried. Millions of people have tried. Throughout the world, they lived and died in the midst of anxiety and worry and lack of peace and harmony. (coughs) There are religions trying to get people to to choose wisely. And Christianity just kind of joins in. Make good choices. Work on this. Surround yourself with positive people and your anxiety will dim. You will find peace. I wish it worked. None of us would have any anxiety. So I desire a heart that's at rest, worries laid down, a security in my relationship with God and with people. And it is so elusive. (laughs) Yeah. Thus we really come to Noel, to Advent, to Christ with us. (laughs) This This is where our hope actually becomes, right? This is where we're headed. headed. Abiding peace. Peace that dwells with us. Really amazing. Because we have to see our peace is entirely separated from our actions. I'll say it again. Our peace is entirely separated from our actions. This is the way to understand it. You receive it as a gift. I'm offering it to you today. It's a jewel for your lap. A gift of peace, not new instructions, new life. This is what Christmas is. God becomes human and was born as a baby. And all of the Old Testament points forward to this Jesus Christ, Messiah, Savior, forever King. From the outside, not people becoming good and getting peace, but Jesus came. Peace arrived. This is the announcement of the host. right? The angels, the shepherds there, and then all of a sudden there's this huge host of angels. What do they say when Jesus is born? This is what they say. Glory to God in the highest. Look what He's doing. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Oh, don't you dare go into some spot. I wonder if he's pleased with me, and then I'll have peace. That's not what this means. Look at what he's saying. It's this amazing thing. God is so happy, he's pouring out peace. Oh, <laughs> he's like, yes, this is the moment. You know, since we made this earth, it's been culminating in this act of me becoming, becoming. A human being. Peace is here. Peace for you. Peace for me. You have when when Simeon there is waiting his whole life. And and, and Jesus is brought. The baby Jesus is brought. And he says this, right? Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word. Why? For my eyes have seen Your salvation. (laughs) He was departing in peace. Has he seen justice? No. Could he rest in the good choices that he'd made? No. Did he have enough stuff, enough friends and relationships and standing? No, that's not the issue. He saw Jesus. Jesus. His eyes have seen your salvation. That's a statement of God at work, regardless of anyone's opinion. God at work, not Simeon at work. Simeon's not establishing anything. He's just been waiting. The pieces that he saw, Jesus, and Jesus himself says that peace, wellness, relational, wholeness, harmony, are a gift from him to you. That's why I love presents. I love that we unwrap presents. I know that some people don't have, but you know what? A gift is, is what we all get, the best gifts you could ever have. Every one of us, God himself saying, here, it's on your lap. Would you open it up? It's my son. For you. Peace is elusive because we refuse what Jesus says. We continue to think that relationship with God is by our actions. When the Prince of Peace came to redeem and restore and forgive. And this brings right relationship with God, a settled heart, and not, it didn't bring what? Sin free lives. Increasingly good choices. We still fight the battle of entropy and we lose. We call it death. But now we know deep in our hearts by the Holy Spirit we have peace with God. How? It's in Christ. I've got you says Jesus. I've done it all for you. Here, have peace. That's literally what Jesus says. He emphasizes it super strongly in a lot of places like this one. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, harmony, relational health with God, with people, that this is you. Jesus lives and he dies and he rises from the dead. And did you remember what he did? Then after he rose from the dead, the very first thing he really does is he goes and he appears to the guys. It's there in John 20. Check it out. Three times he he, he comes and he appears. And what does he say? Remember what he said? Very first words out of his mouth. Be good. No. He says this. There's here's here's one of them. You can go and do them all. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, the disciples were fearing the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them. Like he walked through the wall. See him, and what did he say? Peace be with you. Now you think he's just giving a greeting, except he doesn't. He does it again. And and then Thomas, who wasn't there, is was like, well, I don't want to believe that. He's, and Jesus says, Hey Thomas, here, come put your 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 come check out my nail scarred. Hands And what did he say to Thomas? Peace be with you. Why? Because this is our peace. Jesus Christ for us. The good news is literally called the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ announces to you and me, and we just receive it, you know, the, the, the peace that he has bought for us. It is not peace through you and I now making better choices in our lives. It's not in experiencing less pain. It's through Jesus. When we read about this in Ephesians right just now. He came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who it's, a, it, it's not a mistake that in Ephesians, Paul keeps repeating the word peace. How do we have it? By letting go of this world's way to get peace. By stopping the ladder climbing approach, the winning approach, and realizing all the goodness and rightness and health and good choices that we need are already done in That's it, right? I mean, that's, for example, Romans. This, This is every book of the Bible. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, our righteousness is by trusting Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace we have through Jesus is the means. And this is the huge, marvelous jewel dropped in our lap. God has brought peace for us. Perhaps better to say he bought peace for us. Peace with him. Harmony. Health in our relationship through Jesus. Peace with each other. Harmony. Health in our relationship through Jesus. Super, super importantly. Not through yourself. Not through your good choices. Not by obtaining enough or making the right moves. Simply receiving and trust that he's done this for you. Okay. You say, Dax. I get it. It's just super unsatisfying. Why? Well, because the peace of what I really meant, pastor, was that God would do what I wanted to. I got a list of stuff, you know, and and really peace to me would be if those things became the things that I got. I want this circumstance changed. I want that person to treat me better. I want my body healed and my mind sharpened and my bank account nicely fattened. I have those desires, and I'm anxious because I don't have what I perceive that I need, you know? I get what you're saying. In fact, I even... Start to, as we talk, we talk about Jesus and the wonder of him. I feel a little bit, kind of like, you know what? Like, I think about it like this. This actually has happened to me, I'm sorry to say. A speeding. Very safe to do car speeding analogies. Everyone speeds. A speeding. Maybe you don't speed. If you don't, you're really good. I'm sorry. I'm bad. I speed times when I shouldn't. I was speeding, and, and I was I was not really paying attention too well. And it was, it was kind of late at night. And... Light started flashing behind me. Have you ever had that happen? If you have, then you know what I was feeling, which is your st- the stomach thing. Like my stomach was suddenly in my toes. I hate doing anything wrong. I hate that they- So the police were co- pulling me over, and I was sitting there, I had to pull over to the side of the road. It's on the freeway in the dark. There he was, and I was pit. It's like, oh, no. Why didn't I see him? I could have slowed down. That's what I was thinking. But now that I hadn't seen him, and then he was there and he pulled over, I had this pit, this anxiety in my stomach. I'm like, what? Oh, man, there it goes, and the insurance rate's going up, and the ticket's $1,000, whatever. The guy pulls up, really nice man. He comes out, he a license registration. He looks at my license registration. He says, Oh, Pastor Dax. I'd never seen him before. He doesn't go to our church. This was not here in Bellingham, it was, it was down south. I was like, yeah. He says, hey, you're going a little fast. Gave it back to me. I drove off. Whoa. I'll tell you what, all of a sudden, the pit was gone. It was gone. I hadn't done anything good. I mean, I handed over the registration. I get it, actually, you didn't you know? pull out your pistol or something. I don't own one. I'm sorry. But the reality is, I did nothing. The, 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 the feeling of, oh, my goodness, it's okay, was simply by what the guy did. You know what we do so much? What I do so much? I'm like, man, I'm so grateful that God did that. I I am forgiven. It's incredible. But you know what? That crack on my windshield didn't get fixed. Come on, man. What about the crack? I drove off, and nothing about my car had been fixed. I had just been released. And, And you know what? So many of us do. Instead of like, oh, my goodness, look at what i've been given and, and that's just the negative part right the release part the forgiveness part but but it's also i've been given righteousness but the reality is i continue to drive this 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 relatively broken down car and i start going but i have anxiety over the windshield and you know the tire tread and i'm not sure the gas mileage i'm getting is very good i better work on all those things oh my goodness you've been forgiven that sort of thing right so, so so if you're like yeah but that's who I am and I, I so I struggle because I have, you're in the right place why are we in the right place because here here is where we come again to the cross and to this table and you and I who who own everything because we're in the family of God by faith I'm above everything loved God loved you so much. That he died to cover all your wrong desires and all your wrong thinking and all your wrong steps and even the step of thinking that you need to be in control. Even the step of thinking that you need to be the judge. I've i got you, says God. Here's my gift. You can find your rest in me. God himself brings the gift. It's the gift of forgiveness. One of the words for forgiveness in the Bible is charizomai. I don't like using Greek words, but there's a couple words, and one of them is it it, it it means grace. It's a grace gift. A jewel just for you. He has you personally, and he proved it by coming, and we can rest in, oh, the grace, I don't deserve it. Nothing. God's so amazing. It's not a bait and switch. The cop didn't follow me for the next three miles to make sure I didn't speed again. He just let me go. There's another word for forgiveness in the Bible. Ephemi. It means let it go. That's one of the words. I mean, let it go. Go ahead, try it. Let go of whatever you think you need. Relationships, fitness, self-guided improvements and achievements. Realize, realize, instead of looking at the crack in the window, look at the huge gift on your lap. The jewel from God. It is the jewel of peace. He has done everything for you, everything. He has provided for you forever. He has adopted you now. He has cleansed you and made you righteous and called you new. And so you will be. He will resurrect you from the dead. All just by His promise. All proved by what? He became a human being. He arrived on earth in the lowest of places. And he lived and he died on a cross. And his blood was shed, the blood of God, for you. As a gift. You know what that is? That's enough. For you and for me. And yet it's not all he's going to do. He will use you. He will bear fruit in you. He will give you incredible moments of joy and hope and wonder along the way. His action for you. And I know we don't feel it all the time because it's not about the feels. But you know what? We do experience glimmers of this. And you will have glimmers of it because God is kind. Even as we struggle to realize it's not about our choices, that life isn't about comparing how much you get versus how much the guy across the street gets, and could I, by my behaviors, get more, and, and more of God's love, more of his blessing, more of his stuff, and try because, because I have a desire to gather. Nah, it's all garbage, man. You're blessed by the king. Forgiveness of all your sin, goodness, who is Jesus himself. So would you with me? Breathe peace and it came peace did in the form of a baby this is advent jesus i didn't give you the whole verse in john 16:33 says i said these things to you that in me you may have peace yeah in the world you'll have tribulation But take heart, I've overcome the world. Do you see what this means? It means that peace is underneath. Peace is deeper. Relational wholeness is, is so much broader than the circumstances that hit us all the time. Because it doesn't mean that you won't experience the tribulations of the world because the world is falling away and the hope of it is too. And so we live in it and so we get all these pieces and they hit us and they strike us. But underneath it, we have this anchor, this sureness, this amazing wonder that God has done it for us. And that's how we get through. Even when we fail at it, it doesn't change because God gives it as a gift. Tribulation means conflict. This peace is as we die, we go down, we don't win, we hurt. But in the midst, we take heart because Jesus has overcome. And in him, we have settled hearts, we have rightness, we have harmony as a gift. Do We receive this king who's for you forever. This is why Christmas is so amazing. God's gift to you of peace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the wonder of what you've done for us. Thank you for the depth that we can't even understand of what Jesus acquired and gives to we who put our trust in him. Oh, Lord, the gift. Help us to open it. Forgive us when we don't. Lord, we so cling to our anxieties and the traumas that have happened to us and the injustices we've Receive, Lord, help us to lay them down with the depth of the wonder of you for us. Lord, I pray for our body at this place, you might help these people experience peace. In your name, amen.